Wow. So theories about connection. And so this is what they did. They wove me into the academy. I met you. Um, They started me off on the fairy journey. You had that experience with Laura that went to the book. I mean, this is the intricacy of the web that we're part of that supports us and connects us for our higher good. So we don't have to go around being the vampires because we're fed with that all the time. All we have to do is to be open to it and open up with love, you know, as we would to each other, open up to nature with love, open up to nature like a lover or a small child where we start to really see that tree, to really see that rock, to really see those colors. Mm -hmm. And then we're starting on our mystic journey yeah how wonderful is that mystic our expansion journey because yeah you got to accentuate the positive wow i feel good a little bit of feel good goes a long way you're listening to karen swain teacher of deliberate creation accentuating the positive showing you a way to a better life accentuating the positive it's not just bad it's sanity who in their right mind would accentuate anything else hello welcome to another show accentuating the positive with karen swain if you enjoy the shows please like and subscribe and remember to leave your comments the more comments and the more likes we have on the YouTube allows people to more people to see the podcasts and the YouTube podcasts and uh, send me an email if there isn't the ability to put a comment underneath the audio podcast. Today I have a delightful person to introduce you to and a fellow Aussie, although not born here, <laughs> lives in Sydney, Maggie Hamilton. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Lovely to be here, Karen. She's a prolific author and researcher. Let me read out Maggie's quite extensive bio here because, girl, you've done a lot of stuff in your time, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) You have uh, been a busy girl. Sydney-based author and social researcher Maggie Hamilton is the author of a number of books which have been published in Australia and internationally. Maggie has held a number of senior roles in publishing and at the ABC. For those of you in America, that doesn't mean American Broadcasting, that's the Australian Broadcasting Commission, a professional membership serving as an executive for the Sydney Peace Foundation and as a member of the organising committee for the Federation Australian Women's Speak Conference, Office for the Status of Women, and member of the organising committee for the Federation Australian Women's History Project and Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet. What does that mean, Department of Prime Minister and Cabinet? That's just that's just one of the government departments that um, that organises. You know, has various initiatives. Ah, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie was born at home in a cottage in England, spending her first five years amid meadows, moors and forests steeped in living fairy lore. In her late 20s, she moved to Sydney where she writes books and for magazines. She gives frequent talks as a, a social researcher and is keen observer of social trends. She's a student of the sacred 
and author of a number of spiritual books, including Coming Home, The Magic of the Moment, Love Your Work, Reclaim Your Life, and A Soft Place to Land, as well as Men Don't Talk, oh, What Men Don't Talk About, What's Happening with Our Girls, and What's Happening with Our Boys. Maggie is an outspoken critic for the commercialization of childhood and the sexualization of boys and girls and is the former founder of the and publisher of the Inspired Living Mind, Body and Spirit imprint at Allen and Unwin, which she helped set up and ran for a number of years. In her spare time, I don't know when you have spare time, honey, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Maggie <laughs> loves silence and getting off the beaten track where she has a great love for the desert. Nature is her go-to place while living in the city. Her latest book, which is what we're going to talk about today, which is what today is all about, which is called Inside the Secret Life of Fairies, is in part her love song to nature and all it has gifted her. In it, she helps the reader entertain this mystical kingdom. I'm so excited about this book. It's really beautiful. Passionate about life, creativity and beauty, Maggie has had an insatiable curiosity about life people, loves finding the extraordinary within the ordinary and is passionate about exploring new possibilities and how we can create a better tomorrow. Well... I have to say, well, when I met you, Maggie, it was like 20 years ago when I was facilitating yes. the Academy of Light. So you have been one of these people working in the corporate world, in the mainstream world, and had a secret life, you know, thinking about all things multidimensional and energy and fairies. And uh, you asked me about 20 years ago to write a little excerpt, which you've put in the book. I, I did. Say, and I completely forgot about it until you sent me an email a couple of months ago saying it's in there and the book's out. And I thought, oh, 20 <laughs> years have gone by. What took you, why did it take you 20 years to get this book out? Well, it, there's a number of things. First of all, I, I wanted to take readers beyond the tutu and tinsel of fairies because that had never been my experience. But what I've found, Karen, is that the fairies don't reveal their secrets easily. And I think that's partly because of the way we're treating nature at the moment. And so you've got to really work for those insights. And um, also, the, I was writing that book while in, in the midst of writing others and doing other stuff. And actually, there was part of me that was very happy not to finish it, which is unusual because obviously the end point is also part of the joy of the journey mm. because, because of the mystical nature of the, of um, that whole connection we can have with nature. Um, it's not something I wanted to end, not that it has ended that relationship. So I was, I was really quite relaxed in a way I'm not with other books about getting oh, them finished. Interesting. I think your story with all of this has just begun, actually. It's so yeah. comprehensive. You go into so much. I've jotted down a few notes. I haven't read all of it because it's just full. It's full of your experiences, which I love, but it's yeah. also full of other people's experiences, yes. which is also what I love. I can never write a book 
without putting other people's experiences. I'm just, I'm just that sort of, I don't know. I can just never make it all about me because I think that, you know, we're all in, we're in this together. So Absolutely. other people's stories, which is what I do on the show, what I was doing at the Academy, what I do in the book series that I have, you know, is what I do everywhere. It's collecting other people's stories and sharing that. So I really relate to it. Uh, I just wanted to read out, there was something in the book that you wrote because you've got all these little quotes. If you want them, children, to be more intelligent, read them fairy tales, Albert Einstein. I thought that was so cute. Coming from <laughs> Albert Einstein. <Yes. laughs> so interesting that we call these things fairy tales. I'd love you to share that experience you had at the beginning of the book where you talk about your lunchtime, sensing the world of the fairies. Yes, absolutely, because um, what I've come to realise is that fairies aren't the little dainty figures with stripy stockings, although people do sometimes have manifestations of these kind of little human figures with butterfly wings, that really it's about um, you, you are suddenly plunged into kind of a mystical experience where every cell in your body comes alive. And the exciting thing as I tell this story is that I really want people to understand that there's not a person on the planet who has not experienced a fairy kingdom. And I'll explain that a bit later, but what I loved, and this is right in the middle of Sydney, busy day at work, and I've always had to get out of the office um, in corporate life and just be outside and, you know, see a tree, see sky, see something. And that immediately rebalances me. And now we've got lots of signs to show that's the case. But I mean, I think if you tuned in, you possibly don't need to have the um, signs behind it. So this day, busy day, grabbed a sandwich at the local sandwich bar, just like everybody, hundreds of thousands of millions of people do every day. And there was a, a, a quite a big patch of grass quite close to the office and it was a gorgeous day, sunshiny day. So I plonked myself down with my sandwich and as soon as I hit the grass, it was like electricity, not in an unpleasant way. And, and this incredible feeling of anticipation, almost like the kind of anticipation we had on Christmas Eve when we were very little and we knew that tomorrow was going to be a really, really special day and every part of you is bursting with excitement. So there's electricity and the excitement and suddenly the grass became so green, um, it became hyper real. It wasn't a green that I could um, readily associate with as one that I see every day. Mm -hmm. Hyper real is the only way I can describe it. And then as I was kind of sucked into the energy of this astonishing green, I, I looked at the grass and it was as if every blade of grass, of which there were hundreds and hundreds of thousands, um, was shimmering with life. And I, it was as if I was experiencing the life energy of every single being of grass but also as if I was a, a blade of grass in that moment as well. And, and what happens in these moments is you, you're plunged into the eternal now. So you have no sense of time because you are so in connection with the whole web of life. You're just there. And 
it was beyond thrilling, mm. absolutely beyond thrilling. And then it just kind of dissolved. And I was back, um, you know, sitting there with lots of other people around me. That's the other thing, because it's a city, lots of other people having lunch and mothers with babies and toddlers, all that. So I wasn't, you know, in a, in a place all by myself. And, and there was my, my sandwiches ready to eat. <laughs> and, and I think what's so special about these moments is we have all had them. And often it is when we are somehow connected into nature, it might be, you know, walking through the woods or the bush um, in autumn where the leaves are turning or we see a dewdrop or we, whatever it is. And we have that moment that literally takes the breath away. Mm. And my belief is, Karen, we are, our vibration is, is, is heightened at that moment mm. and we slip into the kingdom of the fairy. And, and for me, the fairies are the living intelligences of nature, Beautiful. which are also connected with the quantum field. But we can talk about that later. If you oh, want. Look, there's so much <laughs> to talk about. You've actually answered a couple of questions that I jotted, I jotted down. Uh, but I just I wanted to share with you, um, you know, the first time I experienced what you were talking about, there was some healer that came to the academy. You know, it was about 20 years ago. And, yes. and Martha was sponsoring him, you know, Martha Huren. And I went over to Martha's place and had a healing with him. I didn't really know what was going on. But I remember walking out into a busy sort of, you know, uh, western suburb street of Sydney where there wasn't a lot of nature, but just feeling that hyper realness, like the birds yes. were so loud, the sky was so blue, the trees were so green and just having this experience of this heightened awareness of and everything was brighter and louder and just something had happened, something had shifted in me through this healing. I can't remember the guy's name too long ago and then recently I experienced it too just driving somewhere I was going to pick some people up and we were going off to probably an irons meeting or something and I remember leaving and just having that sense that everything was just glowing like what's going on like everything and nothing special had happened but I think we've all experienced that it somewhat where we just our senses that everything just becomes heightened you know, like yes. brighter, you can hear better. I hope that you've all experienced that. But if you haven't, have that intention and maybe you'll experience it. <laughs> but I remember reading that in your book and just, just going there with you, you know, just yes. so many of the experiences in your book are like that too, just going there. Well, you've talked about, a, you know, one of the questions here where was it, what's the role the fairies have? You've sort of talked about that, haven't you? Yes, I think I think the thing is when we're children, what we so ache for, Karen, is to see fairies because, of course, you know that's what we've been brought up with, and um, you know also tales like the magic faraway tree, um, and so we're we're looking to see this little person. We're not looking, we don't understand that that's a doorway to this mystic experience of nature, which we've just been talking about. And, and then with the fairies, we think, oh, well, it's about connect, you know, seeing them and just connecting with them. What we don't realize is, because the universe never wastes energy for anything, is that we are being called in those moments back to connection, to connect with all living things, to heal ourselves, heal the planet, 
to be more loving custodians of the planet. So it's not just about sightings. And, but I think that that's a sad thing is that so many people end up amazingly disappointed. But the most exciting thing is, or one of them, I think, Karen, is that there is so much wisdom in these fairy stories. And I just have to show you, if I may, for any of the, um, anybody there, I don't know whether you can see that. That the is magic that. magic faraway tree by, who is it? In, in an... Enid Blyton. Oh, Enid, Enid Blyton. And a ah. lot of people would have read this because this was a huge bestseller. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And what is so extraordinary about that, it's about a tree that these children find in the forest and they climb up the tree and go into other worlds. I know, beautiful. Now, well, how astonishing, because that's what we're talking about. Well, when I was reading your lunchtime uh, experience, I was thinking about what a lot of people have said to me on the show about NDEs. You know, they go yeah. to this place and, and some have called it heaven. I don't think, oh, look, I, you know, there's so many places that you can go when we have an out-of-body experience, but some of them sound very much like that. They experience yeah. um, a natural world which is absolutely illuminated and yes. the trees have this vibration that they can perceive because they're not in their body, they're in an astral body. And it's a, a living, pulsing consciousness. The rocks are the same. And, um, you know, not everyone sort of sees fairies in this experience, but just that description of this other dimensional reality, which is actually here all around us. But because we haven't raised our vibe, we can't perceive it. And, children, right. and children who haven't been you know, conditioned as much as us because they haven't been on the planet as for as long, have more access to that dimension, that frequency. And so these fairies, these Enid Blyton stories or fairy tales, you know, appeal to them. Oh, as if I wish we were all just children again, Maggie. <laughs> Absolutely, Karen. And you know what? I think the Christian, and, and this is not knocking Christianity because I think there's much beauty and certainly I think the Christ consciousness is more than a massive gift to the world. But I think that that story of being cast out of Eden, it's, I think for those of us who've been brought up in the Christian tradition, it's, it's almost like we have a mark on us and of, of kind of sinfulness and shame and what I feel this kingdom does is it brings us back into connection and it allows us to open the door and return to that garden and we return to it with all the innocence and joy of childhood but the wisdom of being adults mm -hmm. and there's a, there's a beautiful quote if I could just read it to you by a guy called Brian Bates a, a wonderful um, professor in the UK writer and teacher and he said that for us the skin is what divides us from the rest of the world we are inside ourselves sitting in the wood and the wood is inside of us and I just love that to think that the only thing that separates us from this kingdom is our skin. 
<laughs> and probably not even that. So every beautiful experience we've had in nature, it's almost like when the squirrels gather nuts for autumn, that we are invited in our spirit to gather up these beautiful moments and, and allow them to sit deep within our being so that we carry that beautiful sunset, that extraordinary experience in a tree or wherever we were, always. It is a fire that burns brightly of hope and healing and connection. And this is what I think one of the many gifts of the fairies are. Oh, beautiful. I can see why you didn't want to finish the book because <laughs> as you were steeped in it, you're kind of steeped in it, right? Like as you're yeah. steeped in the writing of it, you're also steeped in the experience of it. And yeah. um, it's almost like finishing the book is like putting it all aside and going back to that mundane life of the thinking mind, which thinks about what to do next and all that stuff we think about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And one of the things that I really want to get across to people is I'm a city girl. I live by a railway line, 10 mm. minutes from the center of the city that you and I both live in. Um, because another myth I think we have is that we have to be sitting on a mountain or living, you know, immersed in nature in the woods. And I'm not knocking that because if that is your soul journey in this lifetime, embrace it. But for many of us, our, our sole journey is to do it in the corporation, is to make it real on the city streets. And I had an extraordinary experience a few years ago. I was giving a, a spiritual talk at a wonderful bookshop we used to have in Sydney that you'd know, Karen Adyar, Adyar. which has ah, gone. Yeah. And it was, it was a Thursday night and the, the where you gave talks was kind of, a sunken area so that you basically looked up at people's legs wandering past, you know, and, <laughs> yeah. and there's a tree behind this. And it was so Thursday night, late night shopping and, you know, everybody manic after work. And I was giving a talk and this elderly lady was sitting there and, and she was kind of looking past me all the time with a very quizzical look. And it was one of those moments that anybody who's presented anywhere will relate to where you think, you know, does she think what I'm saying is stupid or, you know, have I, have I got lipstick on my teeth or, you know, did I, was my skirt tucked into my knickers or something embarrassing? Anyway, um, after, after I'd given the talk, she came up to me and she said, I wished you could have sat where I was sitting. And I said, oh, wondering what on earth was going to, <laughs> was going to say next. And she said, every time you expressed your love of nature, and I wasn't talking about fairies, but I, I'm, it must, I think I was, I don't know what, I don't quite remember what I was talking about, but obviously mentioned nature. She said the aura of the tree on the street became a blaze of every color imaginable. Oh, wow. This is the responsiveness of, of what we're living in. And it is so, so sacred, Karen, which is why I encourage people to find their sacred place in nature close by. And if you're in a city, it might be a tiny pocket handkerchief garden or park or by a lake or wherever it is. And to spend even a tiny amount of time there and get to know the rocks and the trees and to love and observe them. 
Well, absolutely. I so agree with you. But even buying flowers or pot plants, you know, even yeah. that, um, yeah. I, you know, I have this, I don't really think nature is separate to what we create as humans. I think no, that, it isn't. I think that it's an extension, yeah. like we're an extension of that, including our bodies. Yeah. Uh, we're an extension of, you know, Mother, Mother Gaia. We are living inside Mother Gaia and it's called our physical meat suit. Mine's yes. very plentiful. <laughs> and uh, it's all conscious and it's all nature and it all speaks to us. And I actually love the way that you've explained how fairies look because in the book, um, people think of, look, the first time I really contemplated the fairy realm as a reality was through Doreen Virtue, who's now yeah. become a, you know, born again Christian. But interestingly enough, I saw her speak at that Aja bookshop all those years ago. And really? She was sort of going back there when you were talking about it. Uh, yeah, and she was like a, you know, she was a psychologist or something quite scientifically minded and, and yes. she had this experience of experiencing a little being and it sort of freaked her out, she said. Um, but you've said in the book, you know, that just like the angelic kingdom, they're not little beings per se but they can appear because they're light beings that they right. can appear or most of them, or at least the ones that um, are looking after our body and, and the nature, they can appear as something that we can relate to like a little human body with a funny hat and striped, you know, stockings or something. And, Absolutely. Um, and yeah. often what they appear as if they're going to appear is, um, some item on them that's related to the plant they're connected with. And we see this with old fairy, beautiful fairy illustrations where they might have a bluebell hat on or yeah. um, whatever so that they are connected in, but they don't need that body to do the work they do. And there's a very special person I've met um, who's in the book called Bob Crombie, who is a ranger and mystic who you met. Yeah, yeah. And Bob yeah. takes people into the um, a nearby national park here and they cross over. Mm. And because he knows that park, he's worked there for like 40 years. He's retired now. And, and he said, what we're dealing with are other ecologies. And I love that. Um, but he talks about... They and a number of people I, I interviewed have also crossed over, so they start to. And what's interesting is, is this realm is not in a different place from where we are. Mm. The the colors change. He said they go into a mottled world, same trees, same as same as, and then he's gone into a sylvan world, has as have some of the others who I interview. And, but it's the same. And I think this is really exciting because this, and this ties up with my theory now that this is very much part of the quantum field, that it's really a vibrational difference. And my, don't you think? And these oh, yeah. living intelligences well, yeah. are part of the dance of atoms, Karen, which is why we feel so alive. Yeah. It's a uh, perceptual experience because, yes. you know, I was writing a comment on the YouTube channel today. We were talking about ETs and they were saying, are they physical? Are they, you know, what, you know, people were asking questions. And it's all a perceptual experience. And we experience yes. this 
physical reality through a very limited perceptual perceptual um, you know apparatus yet we can shift our frequency i won't say raise because it's just a shift in frequency where the apparatus that we're using the eyes and the ears and touch and smell and everything can actually expand to perceive more of the bandwidth of frequency and i think that this is what you mean when you say cross over yeah like you have a shift in frequency yeah and now you have a different perceptual experience that's right. of this reality but most of us are having a limp a very limited perceptual experience of um what we call physical life yeah absolutely so we don't the wonderful thing is karen we don't have to go anywhere yeah we're in the soup of it and yeah i think another another concept which has been deeply wounding to the western kind of psyche is the is the fact that you know we see first nation peoples and i think if you're you know more consciously spiritually inclined because we're all spiritually inclined there's a deep sadness that sits there um, about belonging but the thing is we were all once first nation peoples and you know i've found when i've said that to people some people have started to cry and it's a remembering we were once first nation peoples and then i ask them when we talk about fairies I want you to contact the soul ache. What were you aching for to see fairies? And so often it is a loss of innocence and childhood and belief in, in life opening up. And this is the beauty, I think, of um, when we start to understand the fairy realm we're talking about something very very profound here in terms of healing possibilities for ourselves that we can be in connection that we can be talking about our love of nature in general and a busy city street through a window and a tree will blaze with the joy of it this is what we are um what we have at our fingertips and i just want to show you all something i was recently in paris and saw um a couple of van goghs and i suddenly looked at it and i thought my god he got the mystic energetic movement in his paintings of nature yeah this guy who was the father of modern art who never sold a painting in his lifetime and i suspect found this realm too hard because he was so sensitive he's capturing this in his paintings absolutely i was blown away by it yeah i know wow i know until (laughs) you experience it you look at people like artists and that have a reality that's different to you and you call them crazy or you just say, wow, artistic, you know, artistic endeavor or whatever. And then you go there and you go, oh, they were seeing it. They were, they were seeing, seeing it. it. Yeah. They were breathing it. And then when you look at the paintings, realizing that you think, my God, he, the energy, he must have, no wonder he had to be out in nature every day, regardless of the weather, because he was probably having the experience I had with the grass. 
yeah. day on day. You know, oh, good time. I know, not easy to live in the not easy world when you're living in that no. sort of fifth dimensional experience, really. Um, no, and with that yeah. level of beauty and yeah. of um, of a vibrational fine, you know, so such fine vibration that, yeah. and then you've got to come back to the mundane yeah i know making a living and paying bills and stuff like that i know yes you know here's a question i want to ask you pose to you what do you think the difference between the fairy realm the fairy kingdom and the angelic kingdom is if there is any difference where what do you see the i think it's i think it's about the different briefs I think the fairies have a brief about nature Mm -hmm. and whereas the angelic kingdom is more of of messaging and uh, teaching. Mm -hmm. Um, But I see them as a continuum Mm -hmm. and it's interesting. In fact, if anybody's listening um, on my website, if they go to the fairy page and um, you don't have to have bought the book for this to happen. Just put one, two, three, four, five in the receipt number. You'll go to a beautiful meditation where we actually go deep into the earth and we connect up to source. And and what we do in the meditation, we ask that we be the meeting place of heaven and earth in everything we do in daily life. And that's kind of how I see it. Um, that it's all part of the whole it's just that they have different jobs to do yeah 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 absolutely oh that's beautiful uh yes what's your website for people listening on audio it's www.maggiehamilton that's double g-i-e maggiehamilton.org and you'd be so welcome to enjoy that meditation it's one that i've developed and i i find it, it really helps my vibes to start the day um, with that connecting, getting rooted deep into the earth and up to source. Mm-hmm. Um, just, a, just a beautiful thing to do. Um, but I, and, and really, it's about entering the wonderment, I think, again, Karen, is what we're talking about here. Because, you know, we're living in a fairly complex time on earth, which is also a time of great possibilities. When we, oh, yeah. complexity can bring wonderful opportunities. And this is how I feel about this time. Yes, we have big climate issues, not to mention a lot of others, but now is the time to seize the moment. And guess what? Our kids are doing that. So we have to catch up <laughs> and, and to really understand what we have, what we're already holding. Um, And I think the thing is, we often don't know where the whole fairy thing fitted in. And I was in Portugal a little while ago having a holiday, and I was really shocked to discover that the Inquisition didn't finish there till the 1830s. And suddenly I had this huge aha moment, because we'd had all the people who were herbalists and others always in danger of being burnt at the stake. And then there was the horrors of the inquisition as well. Mm-hmm. So we're talking for hundreds of years, anything to do with a deep connection of nature was underground. Wow. And my belief is that fairy stories, a lot of wisdom and, and there is a lot of wisdom and fairy stories under the surface 
um, was placed there. And then something extraordinary happened in the um, early 19th century. So this is around the time, the end of the Inquisition. And this was a German philosopher. Um, I've got a picture of him here for anybody who wants to know. He looks, looks a bit serious, but this was a long time ago. There he is. I don't know whether you can see him. Johann, how do you say his name? His, it's Johann Gottfried Herder. 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 And he was, he was one of the great philosophers of his time. <coughs> that mean, he came up with an extraordinary statement. He started to talk about the spirit of a nation. And what he was talking about was the living energy of a nation, I believe, just as our spirit is the living energy of us. Mm -hmm. So this is of, of the collective us. And he said, this is so precious, we need to gather up all the superstitions, all the folk tales, all the fairy tales. Now, this came smack after the Inquisition and, you know, the burning of witches at stake for centuries. And he had a profound effect on people right throughout Europe and uh, Scandinavia. And one of the first people to get on board with this, the two people we all know very well. And they were a couple of academics who wrote this book. Oh, Grimm's Fairy Grimm's Tales. Grimm's Fairy Tales. So was he um, Portuguese, this guy, or was he? British? No, he was, he was actually German. Oh, he was German. But it was oh, just yeah, because German. of that, I started to put things together. So then what happened was there was an explosion of gathering of fairy tales and going all these men who were quite academic going around the whole of Europe and collecting up people's accounts of fairy stories. And some of these are like 500 pages. You can imagine the documentation that was needed. And, you know, these weren't people who were, you know, catching Uber and flying on planes. They were going, you know, in carts and what have you to get to these places. And so we have all these incredible, incredible books like this one. This is the um, WB Yeats. What did that say? The Irish Fairy and Irish Folk? Irish Fairy and Folk Tales. Tales. And oh, we yeah. all know WB Yeats. He was such a spiritual man. Irishman and in the back of this book Karen I mean it almost blew my socks off which are blown off quite frequently these days <laughs> <laughs> darling it sounds like it I'm so excited for you because I don't know I haven't seen you Phil what did you say the other day we haven't seen each other for 15 years or something I like know. that but um but I'm so excited that you're out in public talking about this stuff because I, you kept it all under wraps for so long to sort of be a participant in the corporate, you know, mainstream world. And now she's out of the fairy closet. <laughs> I have come right, I've burst out. You've burst out. <laughs> and that's why I'm speaking to you on the show because you know me, I've been out for quite a while, even oh when God. I was in my thirties running you the academy. Have. You have. <laughs> I've been out of... But it's interesting, the timing, timing, timing. It's just so it much. Timing. So much is being revealed, especially since 2012. So much is coming. So many people are like, yeah, coming out of their closets, their spiritual closets, their fairy closets, their angelic closets, their ET closets, you know, and they're talking about things and connecting the dots and just listening to you go into the history. 
it's all been right in front of us all the time, hasn't it? It's just it been has right come. in front of us. And I and, think, mm-hmm. sorry, I interrupted. Well, I, yeah, you think, yeah, go on. I was yeah. just going to say, I think once I understood the history, it helped join the dots for me so that, you know, where we've got to now is that for many fairies are sparkly figures that you can buy in a gift shop and that's about <laughs> it. And it's very sweet and it's only for children. Mm. But when you realise this was suppressed knowledge um, to keep people um, disempowered and so that they would do what they were asked, mm. then the beauty of it is, the corollary of that is, is this is empowerment. Yeah. And what I went on to discover is that in, 19, in the 1920s in London, they started a fairy investigation society. And I have a little visual here. I can't help but show because they're so fabulous, some of these visuals. Can you see that? The fairy investigation the fairy, it society. It is beautiful. Those people who are listening on audio podcast, you'll have to go to the YouTube. It is beautiful. The fairy investigation society. It is beautiful. And the people who were involved with this had to believe in fairies. And these were not flakes. One of them was the man who was credited with the Battle of Britain. Oh, wow. Sir Hugh Dowding. Mm. Another man invented the first cordless telephone in the Navy. And Walt Disney was a member of this. These were all people who believed in fairies and we're try- scientifically trying to learn more about them. Yeah. Um, and, and including Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Oh, I know. There's that beautiful movie made about the two little girls. The Cottingsley that- Fairy. Yes. Yes. You know, what's really interesting, when I was steeped in deliberate creation and really had my head down thinking about how we are the creators of our reality and law of attraction, which you go into in the book, Manifestation, you know, how fairies yes. manifest. I started to look at fairy tales and I started to see the wisdom inside them when you, when you sort of stop looking at them like kids' fantasy stories. Yeah. And, you know, Cinderella was a story of manifestation yeah. in that here she was in these dreadful circumstances where she was treated abominably by what was supposedly her family and her father had died and she was in rags and they were swanning around in riches and yet she kept her good sense of you know self humor like she was happy she didn't yeah. like go into the poor me woes me woes me but she spoke to the birds and the garden you know she was out there in the magic she was still in the magic and yeah. because she was in the magic her dream i mean she dreamt of a prince handsome prince which is you know not what all girls dream about so many people say it's a terrible sort of fairy tale because it's only about getting a man but that was her dream and it manifested so spectacularly through her fairy godmother you know like uh but just that she kept her vibration high even inside yeah. this contrast this dra- dramatic life and her dreams came true. And I just thought, wow, these fairy tales are sort of teaching us about law of attraction and manifestation. And, and uh, I love that you go into that in the book about how the fairies manifest. Do you, want to have, do you have anything else to say about that? Well, I think, I think one of the things that really came to me as I started to learn more about the fairies is the, you know, we are incredibly powerful beings in terms of being able to co-create. 
what we often don't talk about is the karmic implications of that. And, you know, when you look at fairy stories again and again and again, what do the fairies say? Be careful what you wish for, because they are the ones who tend the fabric. You know, we know that the butterfly wings can change the weather on the other side of the planet in, in that metaphoric sense of how finely tuned and also, when a fairy grants your wish with her magic wand, she touches your third eye, which mm. is clear sight. See this clearly. And she has a five-pointed star, which is about bringing things into the material. And, of course, a wand is about focus. Mm. focusing clearly hold the dream mm. so you know it's they are just full of wisdom for us it's all there isn't it it's, it's all, all there right in front of our noses always been there that's yes <laughs> okay <laughs> something else something else i'm just looking at the time because i know you have to go uh something else that i loved what you wrote in the book uh, what you put in the book is glamour Yes. They talk about glamour, interesting perspective. Do you want to talk about that? Absolutely. And this is a very much a 21st cautionary tale, I think, because, you know, um, let's face it, um, there's a great uh, seduction around glamour anyway. And in the fairy uh, perspective, it is, it is what we call in the Buddhist um, way of looking at things, the Maya, it's illusion. But it has this incredibly seductive capacity to it. And of course, this is what we're steeped in on the planet at the moment glamour. We're just drawn to it like moths to a flame. And what the fairies um, warn us is that glamour is, if, if, if we get caught up in the desire for glamour, we become like emotional vampires because we start off and we do things that are dazzling for others, which is very exciting, particularly for our little ego, um, suddenly feeling special and all that stuff. And, and you know, that those little tinkles of delight that, that go through us. And then, um, and then it stops. It's a bit like likes on, on um, social media. You know, you do something, get lots of likes and you get those little tingles of delight and then you put something else up which you love and suddenly, you know, two people like it or nobody likes it. And, you know, we can so easily go, oh. And so what happens with us with the glamour kind of dynamic is, we be then become hungry. It's almost like having too much sugar where we have to have more of a sugar fix. And so what we do is we start to pull other people's life energy into our own auric field to feed on it like we do vampires. And of course, if we look at, you know, the great celebrities on the planet, they are feeding, unless they have a very powerful spiritual practice, which is again and again what we see so often with these docos is, is their life going completely haywire while still being brilliant at what they do because they don't have that spiritual practice to be fed from above and from nature and, and in other ways. 
to feed the self and to be able to give back that energy of delight that people are giving us because delight is of course light coming into our being and so that it's a it's a an equal energetic exchange so we become the psychic vampire but of course it's also very very time consuming to get enough to eat and we know that through the vampire stories you know them going here there and everywhere trying to find <laughs> some poor sucker dare we say <laughs> the pun. terrible pun now, how have we gone from fairies to vampires <laughs> some poor sucker excuse the pun. <laughs> so we Look, we're in this hungry place and that's yes. not what we're meant to be so the tr the real answer is to radiate light and goodness and beauty from within yes. and then we are radiant but that has a permanence to it that glamour doesn't oh absolutely this is such an important and i'm sure that you wrote about this in what we're, what have we done to our girls i haven't read those books they're yeah. a little bit more mainstream more than i sort of more mainstream that i like to read about but i'm sure you talked about you know this was my mother's story this like this story she was such a beautiful looking woman, very glamorous, so glamorous, yeah. so glamorous. You know, she dated like Frank Sinatra when he came out to Australia because wow. like, she was so glamorous. And then at 50, she dies like heartbroken and because she's aging and her husband's left her for a prettier woman and the glamour faded. And so she pinned all her hopes on the glamour and the beauty yeah. instead of tending to your spiritual connection and finding that joy of life from within not from what you think of me and this is just so out there with the instagram because now we could we don't even have to be glamorous we can just put post on instagram put all the filters on so that we look glamorous. that's right exactly <laughs> but how exhausting how exhausting oh when we could be out you know just having a, a wonderfully rich and in you know life that really fills us and and the thing is when we have that radiance others are drawn to us in a deeper way so we only need to walk down the road and smile at somebody and they get the whole grace of the love behind that smile we become we become you know we're always desperate to have miracles happen but hey how fabulous to be the creator of miracles without even realizing it that that moment when somebody so needed somebody to notice them and you smile you will never know the impact you'll have on that human being and you're not meant to because it would go through our heads if we knew too much <laughs> but we can just do it and we can be it joyfully and lightly mm -hmm. then actually what we are gaining is what we're aching for in the glamour absolutely that's the that's the thing because that's oh, a soul ache it's the same soul, soul ache, ache. Mm. it's just we're barking up the wrong tree <laughs> another terrible pun we're looking for the look i i'm a victim to it too I, I put out these things you know these shows and i look on youtube how many people have watched it but it, interestingly enough it's not coming from i need the likes because i need to be liked it's coming from 
how many people has it reached where is this yeah. wisdom going who's learning how is it spreading how can i be a part of this awareness spreading across this land so that's what i look for but i do get sucked into the how many likes have i got <laughs> i yeah, do yeah, i yeah. do uh, interestingly enough i was having this conversation at a girlfriend's place recently about instagram and facebook and likes and instagram has turned off the ability to see how many people like your stuff now Yes, which I think is a good thing, don't you? Isn't that interesting? Yeah, because of yes. this addiction to, you know, how many likes have I got? Yeah, that's sort of yeah. that's all involved in this glamour story. Oh, look, so fascinating. Now I had a question in my head that's totally gone. It'll come back. Oh, yeah, okay, it's come back. So what I wrote about in the book was, um, and this is so fascinating because I didn't even know, for, I think I maybe 15 years ago said, you know, what have you done with the book and you sent a message saying oh it's happening and then forgot about it and then you reached out and said okay the book launches on it's happening <laughs> so, oh, I didn't even remember what I wrote anyway so I read it recently and I was kind of quite surprised at what I did write because it was like nearly 20 years ago that I wrote it and I was a very different person 20 years ago really on that search for meaning and who am I in the world and how do I serve and and I think that's an endless search really. but it's a beautiful piece it is quite interesting, but I talk about, you know, I talk about the fairies in regards to the body as opposed yes. to nature, which is, as we spoke about, the body is an extension of nature. It's all made up of the same chemicals. And, um, and it was inspired by Lorna Todd. Do you want to speak about your experiences with Lorna? Because she was one of the teachers that came and spoke at the Academy. Of yes. Life. And well, yeah. She, Lorna is a wonderful, um, quite elderly British healer. And I rang her the other day. She's now in her 80s. And I was, I I was, at, uh, I was over in London for work because um, most of my life I've worked in book publishing. And, you know, we, I was, you know, being told about the next big, you know, kind of thriller blockbuster and, right. you know, autobiography and this sort of thing. And then I saw Lorna's book, A Healer's Journey to the Light. And... My light, that's when my lights really did light up. And I said, oh, I really like the sound of this. And they said, oh, we can organize for you to meet her if you like. And I said, I would love to. So she came up from the South Coast and we had a meeting. and We just hit it off. And to my great astonishment, so I had this great soul ache for her to come to Australia. Okay. And, you know, it, publishing houses generally only pay for... Um, you know, the people who are serious crime, people who are selling serious numbers of people books, who are which making makes sense. Money. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, 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 you know, authors we'd all know. And, mm -hmm. um, and I just had this real soul ache for Lorna to come. And to my great astonishment, as we're having these meetings about who we were going to invite for the coming year, one of my male colleagues said to me, would you like Lorna to come? And I said, I would love that. And he said, what about a network? And I said, don't worry about that. I mean, I had no idea what I was going to do with Lorna, but I thought the universe. And so she came and she spoke and I'd had this extraordinary connection with the fairies um, growing up and being around adults who were so connected into the fairy kingdom as part of this continuum over centuries in England, um, that, and, but then, you know, we get busy and, you know, school, uni, you know, busy job. 
And, you know, I had my spiritual practice and all that, but the nature connection had faded. Mm. And so Lorna came out and she stayed with us, um, you know, to keep costs within budget and all that. Not that I minded. I mean, it was an absolute thrill. And But we used to walk in a local park and she she started to talk to me a little bit about the fairies. Not a lot because we were talking about everything under the sun but she transmitted something to me and it was after her visit, she came twice, that I started to look into fairies, first of all, for myself, really. And then I thought, you know what, this is a book. I, for me, it's always a book if I feel it's such good stuff, I want, I, I want everybody to know it. Yeah. And so I rang her the other morning. So she's um, her morning and um, she's now in her 80s. God love her. And I told her about you, Karen, and she sends her love. And what was so beautiful, and this is the thing about our path, I think, you know, she's past the stage of her healing. You know, I mean, she will always be a healer, but, you know, in terms of having people come, and to have somebody ring her up from the other side of the world to say, you know, you changed my life and it sent me on this journey and the result of that is now a book. Is now and a book. So you know, this, this is, is 20 years ago when she came out. 20 uh, years ago. Approximately, maybe 19, but around then. Because I, I remember, yeah, anyway, what house I was living in at the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, okay, and you were in, you must have been instrumental for her speaking at the Academy. Yes, so yeah. then I had to go out and find people. Well, that was how I found the academy. Right, because then okay, I had the to find these venues for her to speak. Right, so that's probably when I first met you was when she came and spoke at the academy because I was facilitating yeah. it, introducing the speaker and doing a meditation, all that thing, all those years ago. Absolutely, ah, it's all falling into place because my memory of that time is not that clear. So it's just all falling into place. Wow, because so fairies I, about yeah. connection, and so this is what they did. They wove yeah. me into the academy. I met you. Um, they started me off on the fairy journey. You had that experience with Laura yeah. that went to the book. I mean, this is the intricacy of the wow. web that we're part of that supports us and connects us for our higher okay. good. So we don't have to go around being the vampires. Because we're fed with that all the time. All we have to do is to be open to it yeah. and open up with love, you know, as we would to each other. Open up to nature with love. Open up to nature like a lover or a small child where we start to really see that tree, to really see that rock, to really see those colours. Mm -hmm. And then we're starting on our mystic journey. Yeah. How wonderful is that? Mystic, our expansion journey. Because, yes. I don't know. I, I, I mean, the word mystic is, is kind of glamorous. Not That's not the right word. But mystic it sort of makes it seem like it's not real when it's real. <laughs> and it's well, hyper real. And it's I think hyper real. It's yeah. hyper real. And I think the other thing about the mystic, for me, it's about the divine or whatever words you want to use is uh, the great mystery. Yeah. And occasionally we get glimpses. And what this world does is it, ena it enables us to have stepping stones into this great life mystery. Yeah. And all the beauty and wonderment and true enchantment, what I call deep enchantment you, um, that is there that, that touches us 
soul mm. that feeds us to the very core of our being. Yeah, absolutely, Maggie. Returning to love, returning to the light, yeah. returning to the mystery. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, beautiful, beautiful. Oh, what else did I wanted to talk about? Oh, we've could, we've there's so many things in the book. With there's so many places that we could go. Um, so is there many. Any because you've got about the land holding our story because that was a yes. That yeah. was fascinating to me. And it first happened, so I grew up for my first few years in the UK and then mm. we came to live in New Zealand. And oh, you're in New London. Zealand first. How old were no, you? No, in England first and then New Zealand when I was 10. Uh, when I mean first, first before Australia. Yeah, before yeah. Australia. So. And then back to London as an adult. Right. Experience all the joy of that. And then Sydney, you know, in my 20s. So, right. Okay. Um, so... Um, my dad was Scottish, my mum was English, and so most of my childhood, while we did go to Scotland and see the Scottish family, was English-based. And, you know, you very much grew up with the story about the Scots and, you know, jokes about Hadrian's Wall and having to keep them up because they're all so wild. Um, and, you know, I, I knew my Scottish family, but didn't know a lot about Scottish history beyond Mary, Queen of Scots and, and so forth. Anyway, we were, Derek and I were up in the Highlands ca catching up with a couple of friends and they have a little tea shop and so they couldn't go out with us during the day. And, but that was perfect because we just wandered these incredible mountains and stuff in the Highlands. And what started to happen to me over those two days was I'd start to get like video clips of experiences that had happened in those mountains <clears throat> and that land um, with the English, which was not a good story. We're talking about people very connected to the earth being driven off their land, you know, rape, pillage, you know, the usual awful stories that mm -hmm. have happened in the past. Mm -hmm. And it was like I was getting um, a crash history lesson of, mm -hmm. of this place. And I felt this deep, deep sadness in me that I realized I'd carried in my cells. But the other thing I experienced was the warrior in me. And I realized that when I have got up and fought for things, this was my Scottish um, heritage that I was drawing on, um, you know, when these people were oppressed. Anyway, I still haven't found out to this day how the family came to be in the, in the highlands because in fact my family's in the lowlands but then I started to talk to people <clears throat> pardon me and what I started to find was that the land holds our story and one of my friends who you've met Julian um he he's um part Maori and but had, was fostered out as a little boy and lived overseas so he lived away from his New Zealand Maori heritage went back for a funeral and when he was driving onto the tribal lands, which for him weren't very familiar because he'd been away for so long, he said it was like a silk handkerchief and he felt such an incredible sense of belonging. And after the funeral, he traveled north, came over the hills into this bay and he said it was an explosion of beauty that just blew him away, like my grassy experience. He, he just was speechless. And then he said he started to feel embarrassed and felt like he was being, um, he was cheating on his tribal lands by loving this place more. Then he traveled to another place in the bush and he had another experience, exactly the same. And 
then went back overseas and years later was he back in New Zealand bumped into one of the elders and he said can I ask you and the elder said yes and he said well I had this extraordinary experience at, at Matari Bay and at the Hokianga and he said I, I really don't know what it meant and this elderly man said to him well, I can tell you he said before we were here as a tribe your mother's people came from Matari Bay and a few generations back your father's people came from the Hokianga. And so he, he said to me, when he was relating the story, he was crying, obviously, very moving. And Julian said to me, so you see, Maggie, the land remembered me and I remembered it. Beautiful. Yeah, that's so beautiful. Yeah. How many people's stories did you share in the book? How many different authors? Oh, there's, there's quite a lot. 25 30 different people with all these mm. stories at least mm. probably more than that probably more like 50 i don't know i've never counted it but there are a lot what there are a lot of different experiences um and uh time slips of of illness children who'd been abused who had that fairy figure who saw them through an abusive childhood I mean, astonishing stuff I found. And it, mm -hmm. it's just so sacred when people tell you these things that are yeah. so personal. And I think the sad thing is because we have this tinselly view of fairies, people never feel they can share their experiences. So we miss out on the wisdom. So I hope I've gathered up some at least, Karen, that will Absolutely. warm other people's hearts and give them a renewed sense of where they belong because they do belong. Well, absolutely, Maggie. And let's hope that this um, conversation and the book will get more people out of their fairy closet. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's a great place to be out of the fairy closet. <laughs> and talking about their experiences and the light and, oh, look, the light can show up in so many, you know, in a, an infinite amount of forms and, um, and I'm always interested to hear from people even now, Karen, because I think sometimes people just need to tell that one person who can go, that was astonishing, that was beautiful. So I'm still open to hearing about it because there's a world of, of stories waiting to be heard. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. There is a world of stories waiting to be heard. And now is the time to, to have them out there and to be heard. Now is definitely the time Most uh, definitely you know i had a guest teacher in my inner sanctum our online session who's talking about her et connections and interestingly enough she was saying that the ets often show up in um as sort of like fairy type experiences how interesting yeah so or people think that they're talking to an angel it's not that um an ET can't be an angel because they're just a higher, more evolved form of consciousness that's just living in a different form. You know, we're in these yes. human meat suits and they're in another sort of frequency suit. And there's just so many infinite forms of consciousness and infinite frequencies. There's trees are conscious and rocks are conscious and ETs and, you know, it's all conscious and yeah, we can communicate with all of it. And, um, but she was talking about the three waves of volunteers and the second wave are the people that are coming forth now with their stories, either of their ET connections or their angel connections. Oh. So they're actually the communicators. Mm -hmm. She calls the second wave of volunteers 
are the communicators, the connectors and the communicators. Oh, so they're writing beautiful. books. You've always been a communicator, obviously, because you've been writing books proliferally. But um, yes. Yeah, isn't that interesting? I love that. And it's time, and that's where you know we're in since 2012, really, it sort of ramped up. It's now is the time that people are coming forward. So let's hope a few more people come forward. And obviously, this um, conversation about the fairies is really important now as we reconnect to the wisdom of the land. And she's speaking to us, Mother Gaia, Mm. and um, the fairies are her sort of angelic beings, you know, they're her angels. and they're speaking yes. to us there are bodies angels too so yeah it's a really important time right now to really nature uh, nurture nature 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 absolutely and when you look at these young kids who are standing up and um i don't i can't remember the swedish girl's name who started this movement with school children but for her to stand up the other oh, day Greta. in front of world leaders what's yeah, her name greta dunberg Greta Dunberg and say, how dare you? Thunberg. I I don't know. She says it was with Greta Thunberg. Yes. How dare you? I know. She's a 15 year old. She's everywhere. I cannot go on any social media, whether it's Twitter or LinkedIn or anywhere, you know, and and not see her everywhere. Like she's, yes, she's just, yeah. It is out of the mouth of babes. Well, she, she talks about her Asperger's, her autism, like her superpower. She's just, one of these, you know, third waivers that is just standing up and doing her job and getting it done, and which is what we talked about with um, with Susie about the third waivers being, yeah, the change makers, yeah, mm. and many of them are children. Some of them are in their thirties, some are even in the forties now. But yeah, many of them are, are children that have come yes. here specifically to, you know, be be make decisions, get things moving, act, action, action. Yeah. Time yeah. for action. It's time for action. Oh, darling one, it's been such a joy. Any last things yes, you'd like thank to you. say about the about your realm and the fairy? Only that it's immersed in the dance of atoms and we're part of that dance. So take that joy, the wisdom, the healing, and just take it out into the world, take it into the corporations, take it on buses and trains, and boy. This little tiny jewel of a planet deserves our love and attention. Yeah. And so let's do it together yeah. and have just a wonderful adventure doing it. Beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Thank you. Oh, what a beautiful conversation with the gorgeous Maggie Hamilton. Isn't she beautiful? Now, remember, if you'd like to buy the book for yourself or somebody else, there's so much wisdom in the book. Whoa, this is what it looks like. Uh, you can do so on my page. I'll have the link underneath the interview or the conversation, either the audio or uh, YouTube, uh, to my website. And if you click the affiliate link to the Amazon, I get a couple of cents. So that supports the show because, as you know, I don't do these shows for money. But yeah, it's a beautiful book. It's a beautiful book. And I'm so pleased that she's out of the fairy closet. I said to her, you know, I just realized that we use the word fairy when we talk about gay, more specifically gay men. 
And um, I was going to say, what's the link between that and the fairy realm? And it came to me when I had the question posed. We didn't discuss it on the show. And that's that divine feminine. In order to enter the realm of the fairy or the angelic realm, we have to be more in our creative mind, our intuitive mind, our psychic mind, which is all connected to the divine feminine. And so men who displayed that very overtly feminine attributes were called fairies, right? It all makes sense because <laughs> they have more of that sort of feminine attribute or at least they appear to. So, yeah, they were called fairies Getting coming out of the fairy closet. I didn't realise what I was saying when I was saying it at the time. But it's a beautiful book and I hope you enjoy it or give it to someone who might be a great Christmas present to give to somebody. And, um, yeah, if you want to support the show, get it on the affiliate link. Oh, it was so nice to have that conversation with Maggie. We could have spoken for hours. All righty, what's happening next? Got a gorgeous man on the show next week called Michael Hoffman, who's written a book which is really interesting about his, his experience in um, a sort of spiritual, he calls it a cult, a spiritual organisation, and... Um, yeah, so that's going to be a really interesting conversation about um, about spiritual cults or spiritual ideology and how it can, yeah, it's going to be an interesting conversation. I've got to read his book before next week. <laughs> I've got a few books to read. <laughs> anyway, so that'll be interesting uh, next week. And Francis Key is coming into the Inner Sanctum, the team books. I love the team books. I just love the team books. I've had her on the show a couple of times and in the Inner Sanctum a couple of times. So if you want to look for her on my website, Frances Key or Frances Ray Key, uh, she's going to send some chapters for us to have a look over to discuss because there's four books in the team series and it's about our collective consciousness, our multidimensional collective consciousness. And I just love these books. I just love them. I just think they're fabulous. So we're going to discuss that and maybe catch up with her and what she's been up to she's been singing she's been writing musicals and singing and doing things like that she was living in new york looking after the grandkids for a while went back to her home in the country haven't actually spoken to her for a year or two so it'd be gorgeous to catch up with francis if you want to join me let me know you can join once or you can join over a year's subscription it's only 25 australian dollars a month at the moment we meet a few times a couple of times a month and uh, this weekend is with me if you want to join and meet me and ask me questions <laughs> i'm a wealth of knowledge or ask my guides questions and or it's uh, 227 for the year it's very inexpensive the inner sanctum is our online sessions our online teaching sessions called the inner sanctum so yes hope you all enjoyed that and i look forward to chatting with you again love you big time remember get the book awakened by death Bye for now.